The Denver Nuggets advanced to their first NBA Finals in franchise history. The Los Angeles Lakers are swept despite an incredible performance from 38-year-old LeBron James. The Celtics will try and stave off elimination in Game 4, or at least, I don't know, get their pride back. And a future Hall of Famer calls it a career. All this and more on Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On NBA, your daily source for all things NBA from the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for joining us and making us your first listen. We appreciate you being with us on whatever chat platform that you've chosen, whether you're checking us out on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, make sure to leave us those five-star reviews. Or if you're catching the show on YouTube, you can catch a video version of the show. Appreciate you guys being with us. My name is Matt Moore. I'm a senior NBA writer for the Action Network and co-host of Locked On Nuggets. I'm joined by David Ramil. He's on Twitter at DRamil13, and he's co-host of Locked on Heat, and apparently he and I are probably going to be talking a lot more in the next coming week, uh, weeks <clears throat> as the Denver Nuggets have advanced to the, to the NBA Finals for the first time in franchise history. They'll meet the winner of the Eastern Conference Finals with a heat up three to nothing. Today's show is brought to you by the GameTime app. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Check out the GameTime app. On today's show, we'll talk about the Nuggets win over the Lakers, what it means for the Nuggets franchise, their chances of going further and obtaining their first NBA championship, uh, Nikola Jokic's Western Conference Finals MVP. We'll take a look at the Lakers and what's next for them after an incredible run in a very up-and-down season. And then, uh, well, they got swept, so we'll have to factor that in as well. We'll talk about that, and we'll get the Heat-Celtics game four. We'll take a look at that game, what David expects from that game, and whether or not the Celtics can find their spine, which apparently has gone missing in the broom closet. We'll also talk about the decision by Carmel Anthony to call it a career. All that and more on today's show. We're jam-packed. David, uh, I've got to do Locked On Nuggets tonight later on and, and kind of figure out my thoughts on this for the franchise. I'm curious, after watching Game four versus the Lakers. The Nuggets win game four, 113-111, down 15 and a half, come roaring back in the third quarter, an absolutely berserk run in the third quarter. Uh, back and forth game, it's tied. Nikola Jokic hits an incredible Sambor shuffle, fading away over Anthony Davis, who had himself a not great series. They outscored the Lakers 36-16 in that third quarter. Nikola Jokic finishes with 30 points, 14 rebounds, and 13 assists. Yet another triple-double, breaking Wilt Chamberlain's 1967 <laughs> NBA record for triple-doubles in a single postseason with his eighth. Uh, what was your reaction to the Nuggets' win over the Lakers? Uh, first of all, congratulations to Nuggets fans and the Nuggets themselves. Uh, it's a, a nice story to see them be able to advance. It's always good to see teams that haven't had this opportunity before. And this has been a goal for that franchise for a number of years, especially when their ceiling is so high because they've got the MVP in Nicola on that roster. Great overall game. Uh, it started off a little shaky. I'm not sure if Conversely to what I saw from Miami in game three against Boston, it didn't seem like Denver 
understood right away the, a sense of urgency. And, and that's not to take away credit from what the Lakers were doing. They started off with a little bit more energy. Denver, not necessarily just as much. And I think there were some foul calls there that kind of took them out of their momentum. But they stormed back, as you said, in the third quarter, outscoring the Lakers by 20. They seemed much more energized. The intensity certainly ramped up throughout the game. And by the time the fourth quarter rolled around, it was a really exciting, energizing game. So uh, as far as the Nuggets, I mean, I think this is perfectly where they're supposed to be. You know, this is the goal for that franchise. As I said, this is the best team in the Western Conference all season long. They went up against a very decent seventh seed in the Los Angeles Lakers who had vastly improved over the course of the season. And I think they were just simply outclassed. Uh, you know, it's that's what happens. It's not the same kind of level of surprise factor as we're seeing out in the Eastern Conference. Uh, at the same time, I think you saw throughout the whole series just how much more superior the, the, the Nuggets are to whatever the Lakers were able to do. They took them out of their comfort zone. They didn't keep them, uh, allow them to do anything effectively. And for a half, it seemed like maybe the Lakers had figured out something, even though it might not necessarily have translated into a, a win. Uh, and yet Denver came back and, and they did what they always do. And they were very, very effective. They tightened the screws defensively. They seemed to figure out LeBron, who, of course, a combination of fatigue and age and some pretty good defense from Aaron Gordon and others, uh, I think really slowed him down in the second half Uh other than that, it was, you know, uh, like I said, they're supposed to be here. So we can relish in this. And I think it's it's fun and it's enjoyable. It's good to see a franchise that hasn't had this opportunity before. Yeah, I think the, the question of uh, they're supposed to be here is interesting, just given how much conversation there was about the West is wide open. The West is wide open. Anyone could win the Western Conference. And then that was the kind of underscore there is always like not not the one seed, not the team that's been the best team in the Western Conference since December. Not that team, but like anybody, really any, the Lakers, the Warriors, the Lakers again, the Suns, the Warriors, the Lakers, anyone could win the West. And then now here the Nuggets are. You're a little defensive. I know it's, I know it's social media. It certainly seems that way. Are you defending the Nuggets? Are you a little defensive about the, uh, the constant attacks all season long? Um, I will say that as somebody that has covered the team and I'm not a fan, I will say that right. like. I don't find that the conversation has been commiserate with their level of play. There's been a lot of like, oh yeah, no, the Nuggets are good. No. Well, I, I, mean, I mean, especially when you look at some of these other teams, like the Warriors, the Lakers, these teams were 500. The Suns were thrown together at the last minute. The Nuggets weren't even the betting favorite going into the postseason, you know? And I understood why, because I understand how the markets work. But I think ultimately it was, uh, there wasn't, they have not garnered the same level of respect that you would think they would with a two-time MVP and the best net rating in the West and, the best home record and all these types of things. Sure. Um, LeBron goes 47 minutes, 56 seconds, David. He plays all but four seconds of this game. He goes for 40 points. He goes for 10 rebounds. He goes for nine assists. He was 15 of 25 from the field, four of seven from three point range to have that kind of a game and lose. Yeah. It's a testament to his greatness it's a credit to the Nuggets for overcoming an incredible LeBron game, even with them only having nine points in the second half, because, you know, 38-year-old guy was tired. I have some derivative takes off of that performance that I'd like to get to uh, in the second segment. But I did want to kind of wonder, ask you just about your reactions to LeBron's game tonight and what he was able to leave on the floor. I I think he wants to make sure, uh, as we have seen from him in the past, that he uh, tries his best and makes an imprint on the game. Uh, you rarely see uh, LeBron, especially, I mean, first of all, you rarely see him in this corner 
you know, in particular, but also, you know, with, with so much to prove and wanting to be able to carry the team and at least make a good effort for one game. And so you knew he was going to come out of fire. As, as Nikola Jokic himself said, you know, it's LeBron James on the other side, and you know, he can do anything. And he did, especially in the first half. He was, he looked fantastic. He's shooting the three well, making smart passes, uh, just getting past Eric Gordon, getting a little chippy with Gordon at 1.2, uh, just imposing his will, as they say. And, and it looked like he was going to be able to perhaps carry the Lakers to a win. Uh, did it quite work out that way? Uh, great overall game. Uh, I think it's a little—I don't know if disturbing, sad necessarily, but it's just, it just—it kind of smacks you in the face to see him not be able to sustain that level of greatness throughout a whole game, and for him to play for as long as he did, and then to just slowly wither due to age, due to Denver's defense uh, just all catching up to him. It's, it didn't seem quite right. It's not the the version of LeBron that so many of us are used to seeing, but I think this is the new normal moving forward so i it's just uh oh great fantastic overall game from him what did you think of the performance i mean i thought it was amazing he had he had nine six five in the second half after on like those legs and had an incredible defensive sequence on jamal murray that kind of took out the rest of whatever he like that was where i was like man he's out like that was he gave everything in that game and again we'll get to some of the my other takes about this team in the second segment but I mean, all-time great having an all-time game, but the Nuggets were better, and Jokic was a monster. Jokic controlled the game once again. Jamal Murray um, had some big shots in this game. Aaron Gordon was massive. Uh, You know, he actually had some really huge plays in this game. Gordon finishes with 22 points. Again, like, the the Nuggets as a team were better. Like, they were just better. And there was all this conversation about, like, well, then the Lakers beat the Warriors. Like, that's the war. And it's true, they did beat the Warriors, but this Warriors team wasn't the old Warriors. And to be honest, it's the first, and, like, it's very rare that I would say this, but, like, the Snuggets team isn't the Warriors. They're a lot better. But they, this year they were. Maybe not next year, but they were a lot better. Uh, so congrats to the Nuggets for advancing their first NBA Finals. On the other side, we'll get to the Los Angeles Lakers. We'll look at the rest of the Lakers. And I've got some takes about one Laker in particular I need to fire off. We'll talk about that on the other side as well as what the future holds for the Lakers going into next season after a strange season. We'll do that when we return. But first, I need to tell you about game time. Game time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game time's got deals on tickets right up until the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time is going to credit you 110% of the difference. You're always going to get the best prices. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off. Download game time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. We'll be right back on Locked On NBA. Back here on Locked On NBA, thanks for joining us and making us part of your day. David Ramil from Locked On Heat, alongside me, Matt Moore. I'm from Locked On Nuggets. Uh, talking about the Nuggets win over the Lakers, but in this segment, we're going to talk about the Lakers' loss to mm. the Nuggets. So the Lakers lose at the Nuggets for the first time in franchise history. LeBron James is swept. Not very often that that's happened. Um, LeBron goes for 40. 
You know, in the first half, David, a big reason that they were in this game, they were up so much at half. They shot the lights out in the first half. Uh, in the first half, the Lakers go 7 of 11 from three-point range. They were in fuego. LeBron was 4 of 4. Dennis Schroeder was 3 for 3. They were hitting threes. Like, those three Schroeder threes were massive. And then in the second half, all of that dried up. And you saw the offensive problems that has been kind of the weakness of this Lakers team. One of nine from three in the second half. And like, that was my whole thing in this series was I was like, the Lakers offense is not good. Mm-hmm. It wasn't good versus Memphis. It wasn't good versus the Warriors. It wasn't, and it, it had, wasn't good in this series. That's why they were swept is their offense was not good enough. When you look at the results of the series going out in a sweep, we'll talk about the future implications. D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves, Rui Hachimura in a second. But I'm just curious as to your thoughts on the overall roster construction and what they need going forward. <sighs> I don't, I don't know if there's an easy answer, right? I mean, this is what makes roster construction such a difficult challenge. As much as everybody would like to think, oh, they've got all the answers and you can just plug in a couple of numbers here and there. Uh, there's absolutely a need for some tweaks. Uh, I think you just you have a foundation that's getting shakier with every passing season, whether it's LeBron's age or Anthony Davis's overall health. There's no denying that uh, both of them are still great players, but the consistency to which they can be great uh, changes and lessons with every passing season. And given that, uh, what do you do? Do you continue to try and approach next season the same way they did this midseason and make the kind of right moves where you can tweak a roster, get the right player in, get a guy like Rui Hachimura, maybe hit uh, another, you know, pay dirt with another prospect like Austin Reeves and, and, you know, maybe compete again. But how realistic is it? You know, it feels kind of silly to be writing, a, a you know, the, 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 the funeral here, but at the same time, like, I don't know that they can continue to build on this this season and, and carry this momentum into next year, given how shaky the future of LeBron and, and Anthony Davis is. And so I, I don't know. I, I don't know, though, again, if, if you can, I guess the goal for the Los Angeles Lakers, for as long as LeBron says that that's his goal, is to compete for a national championship and, and or a title. And given that, um, I guess they'll just continue to to operate as they have this past season over the last couple of seasons of LeBron's tenure in Los Angeles is just get the right players in and hope for the very best, but and see if you can catch fire again. I just, it seems less and less likely that they'll be able to duplicate the success they had. Uh, I'm going to put this very simply. The only way they were going to win this series is if Anthony Davis was the best player in the series and he wasn't anywhere far from close. it. Close. LeBron James has entered into every season, and I've heard this quote from him from Media Day the last three seasons. We're only going to win the title if Anthony Davis is our MVP. He said that. Like, he's talked about this. Like, 80 – because on some level, LeBron knows he can't do this. It's not fair to ask this man to go go wire to wire 48 minutes at age 38. AD got more of a rest, and that was the only reason he came in with any burst in the second half. He disappeared. He got worked by Jokic. He got destroyed by Jokic in the series. Anthony Davis got destroyed by Jokic in the series. Defensively, offensively, like Jokic was blocking him tonight. Six of 15 from the field for Anthony Davis. In a lot of situations where he had an opportunity, especially with with, uh, Jokic in foul trouble in this game. If Anthony Davis is not capable of being the second, the best player on this team, the Lakers need to make a trade. They need to go find someone to help LeBron stay in contention. Because... Davis either wasn't available this season to help their regular season so that they could have had an easier path. And then when it really mattered in an elimination game, like they got better minutes out of Tristan Thompson tonight. AD was a minus six worst on the team for me. 
it is, I, I, he's a clutch client, so he'll probably remain. But ultimately, if you want to look at who's responsible, you can't expect more from Rui Hachimura and, and Austin Reeves and they gave in the right. series. Nor should you, yeah. You can't expect more from Dennis Schroeder. You shouldn't expect more from D'Angelo Russell than you did, you know? And the rest of that roster really wasn't anything. All that, the talk about the trade, Malik Beasley did not play at all in the series. Jared Vanderbilt played very few minutes. And Den- and D'Angelo Russell was the worst player in the series. You needed AD to be the guy, and he wasn't, David. So can you trade Anthony Davis? Like, what's the suitor there? I mean, obviously the clutch factor always muddles things up a little bit, but is it possible that they entertain trade a trade request for him? I mean, does Davis want to stay in this situation, or is he just comfortable at this point, or does he have the kind of self-awareness? I don't even know what his contract situation is, but, I mean, does he understand that he is – more of a detriment than a plus at this point in his career, because it just seems like that's the conversation at least the way it's going to be shifting, especially after this lackluster performance. But I don't even know what you could do with a contract and a player like AD. I don't know what the market would be for as good as he is. There are moments where he is almost as bad. And given that, I don't know that there's going to be that kind of ridiculous demand. So again, and the clutch thing kind of changes everything. So what's the future for AD in, in Los Angeles? I mean, look, I, I, there are times when he was talked about like, as an MVP candidate this season for his regular season performance. And when he was on the court, they won a lot of games. And they made the they made two Western Conference finals with LeBron and AD healthy. And that matters. Like, that exactly. matters. You made two in four years. At the same time, I, I, he's got to step up. I don't think they'll move him. I just don't. I think they should. I think it should be on the table, but they won't. Um, I think they're going to run it back. And this is one of the reasons that they got Russ was to, to try and like buffer mm. to have that third star. And I wonder sure. if they'll look for an opportunity to do that down the line. Um, but that brings us to some other questions. You know, Austin Reeves is going to get a ton. The Lakers are, are said to almost be definitely re-signing him. Um, that's definitely the right move. Reeves has been awesome in, the, in this regular season and playoffs. Mm. I will say like not all the time do these things just go linear. He's young, right. but sometimes guys have outlier seasons and then you're like, oh, they're not. They weren't as good that season as they were the year before. Reeves right. could be that guy. Rui Hachimura, I thought, was fantastic this season. I think he, he'll only be better. He was honestly the the second best player, I thought, in the conference finals for the Lakers. Um, the big one's going to be D'Angelo Russell. They have mm. to re-sign him. They have to re-sign him because if they lose him, they got no way to replace him. They have to either re-sign him or get him to agree to a sign-in trade. I think both of those things – you know, we'll be to see what he wants, but yeah. they are cap strapped. And so the question, I think that a lot of Lakers fans are going to want to buy into the emotional, like this team was so much fun to go on this roller coaster with. Right. Do you feel like they should lock in on this team or should they lock on this team only with the idea of using those parts to try and make future deals to improve the squad? Yeah, I think it's the latter. I, th- I think you have to. I, I, the AD question, as you bring up, is, is so important, especially as you know that LeBron is going to continue to decline. What he's done already is historic in the in terms of, of just what he's able to produce at this age, at this point in his career, after 20 seasons. Uh, we've never seen anything like this. And, and so, you know, he might not still be your best player. I think that's still AD, despite the problems that we've seen from him. But he is your most important player. He's, he's the straw that stirs the drink. And, and you want to try and surround him with the right complementary talent. So I, I think it's fun to kind of build out that depth. But I think your your goal should probably be to acquire said superstar. I just – I don't know that that player is going to become available. I, I, I So I think you could try and and – kind of bring everything back and hope for the best and try and again to capture some of that lightning in the bottle. But I wouldn't be surprised to see a decline from Reeves next season. I, I, I think 
you know, a relatively unknown player this year kind of catches fire. Uh, we've seen that before. We start from Jordan Poole this year. I know the situation is not quite the same. It's not an apples to apples comparison, but uh, I, I don't see that he could continue to be that kind of a level of an impactful player next season as well. So we'll see. I mean, he's going to get paid. There's pressure that comes with that. We've seen it before. Um, he's a fine player, a good player. At the same time, I just don't know that you also want to necessarily invest that kind of money. But as you pointed out, the Lakers don't have any choice. If you bring him back, can you kind of tie some kind of deal together to acquire another star? I just I don't think that those players are available. So I wouldn't be surprised to see this iteration of the Lakers continue next season. And you kind of hope for the best and, and see if maybe a full 82 game season can kind of build off of the habits that you established in the second half of this season. On the other side, I've got some questions for David about the Heat's chances in mm. game four, which seem to be very high based on how the series has gone, uh, as well as if Boston will have anything to give. Plus, we'll talk about the retirement of Carmelo Anthony. We'll do that on the other side. I need to tell you about prize picks and their $1 million daily Superflex promotion. Every day of the NBA playoffs through the finals, one prize picks user will win a chance of becoming a millionaire. One entry placed after 8 a.m. Eastern will be randomly selected each day. Whoever placed that entry will be given a six pick flex with the following payouts six correct picks a million dollars five correct picks equals eighty thousand four correct picks equals sixteen thousand full details can be found at pricepicks.com slash million you must opt in at this link to be eligible for the million dollar entry once you opt in all you have to do is play the game like normal and you could be the lucky winner download the prize picks app or go to pricepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports first time users can receive a 100 instant deposit match up to 100 dollars with promo code locked on if you deposit 100 dollars, prize picks will give you 100 dollars, and if you deposit 50 they'll give you 50 don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to 100 dollars. prize picks is daily fantasy made easy we'll be right back on locked on nba here on Locked On NBA. Thanks for joining us and making us part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us. I'm Matt Moore, host of Locked On Nuggets. You can catch me at HP Basketball and on the Action Network app. He's David Ramil. You can catch him on Locked On Heat, where tomorrow night he'll have a post-game show. Hmm. And he'll either be talking about the same thing I'll be talking about tonight, which is the team I cover headed to the NBA Finals or a possible Game 5. The Celtics, look, I wrote this thing for Action Network and I compared it to Mortal Kombat. Hmm. where what the Celtics have done, what the Heat have done in the series and throughout the playoffs yep. is they are like Shang Tsung and they have snatched the soul from their opponents. The level of defeat and quit in the Boston Celtics was amazing. It was just mind-blowing how obvious it was that they just let go of the rope in game three. Yeah, Elimination game, you're at home, easier environment. I got this question for you, David. So I think the Heat are going to win tomorrow night. I'm going to go ahead and start right there. I think the Heat are winning because every quote out of Boston was a team that is packing it up. That's like, oh, yeah. yeah, we're we're done. Like we've yeah. like when Malcolm Brogdon's like, yeah, our identity has waned all season. <laughs> Big gigantic red blinking light. When uh, Joe Missoula is like, yeah, no, uh, I was there really for that. Together, we're having trouble. Like that's on I me. Was, 
I was there. I was there in the press conference. We split it up. I, I, my co-host Wes Goldberg was uh, listening to Spo. I said, "I want let me go over and catch what Mazzola's has to say there," because I just was curious to see what the the temperament, the vibe of this team after a shellacking like that, and to see him, as I tweeted out yesterday, kind of just continuously fall on the sword. Yeah, I had to do a better job coaching the team. I didn't do a, get a better job getting them ready. And it's like, yeah, you probably do. And there are probably bad habits that you kind of establish over the course of the regular season, and you had enough good talented players to be able to you know wade through those problems but uh the players were responsible for that today like what i saw yesterday that 30 point beatdown, and you know there was just no energy there and this is not to take away credit from miami either and I, i've seen that a lot in this, covering the series is that a lot of people are just saying oh the Celtics have fallen apart well part of the reason why they've fallen apart is because miami has continuously punched them over and over again in the face whenever there's any little bit of momentum miami just says no nah, not so fast uh, we've got a couple of things up our sleeve. Credit to Eric Spolstra. Credit to the players themselves for just continuing to implement whatever Spolstra has envisioned. Uh, they've just done a fantastic job. Again, a stealing their soul. It's a, it's a great way of saying it. I, I was in our recap yesterday. Boston looks broken. Miami, conversely, looks like a team that's energized, playing their best basketball, certainly, uh, and continuously getting better over the course of the playoffs, too. They just continued to, to strengthen, to find their identity, and just to lean into all their strengths and taking advantage of every opportunity that they create for themselves by throwing off their opponents and stealing their soul in the process. So the counter to this from Celtics fans, and it's, they're grasping for straws, which fans sure. get to do. Yeah. Um, I looked this up tonight. So the Celtics in the series are shooting 3% worse than they should be expected to uh, based off a of lo- shot location. Yeah, Not good. It's beyond like the normal margin. They're definitely shooting worse than expected, uh, but not like a crazy thing. Yeah, the Heat are shooting nine percentage points better than expected, David. Yeah. Nine percentage points better in the series. Um, we can admit Miami's been on an offensive heater relative to like what they were capable of for literally six months. Yes. <laughs> Yes, but there's reasons for that, right? I mean, it's not just it's not just that they've caught fire because they didn't have it against the New York Knicks. They shot badly there, but it was a different game, a slower, more physical game. And Miami has been the team, I think, even maybe even better than the Nuggets themselves, of having just evolved to kind of match whatever it is that the opponent has dictated. It's like, oh, we've got our identity, we know what we do well, but we can morph our game into whatever is necessary to beat this particular team, whether it's the Bucks and Giannis, or, you know, as limited as he was, or it's uh, Jalen Brunson and, and Julius Randle and the level of physicality of that Nick series. And then to just kind of <laughs> to moralize perhaps a, a team in, in Boston that is struggling to find their own kind of veteran presence, their veteran leadership, because as good as the two Jays have been, they don't seem like they're quite suited for that role just yet. I don't think it's Horford. I don't think it's smart. I'm not sure if it's somebody else. Uh, when your two best players are as lacking as they are, it, it, Miami has shot better, but I think you have to really look at what Jimmy does. Yeah. He's, you know, commanding the the defenses as way he does. He bends everything. He's a lot like Jokic in that sense, like the slower pace. It's not that Jimmy can't accelerate and get to the rim, but he never seems shaken from what he wants to accomplish out on the floor. He can get those foul calls in his favor. Uh, he can also just. He has been defended by everybody, whether it's Horford or, or Williams or Tatum or Brown, Brogdon, Derek White. He's just he's been looking for mismatches against all NBA defender Derek White, and he's just been dominating in those. And of course, we saw what happened when Grant Williams poked the bear a little bit. So 
and, and that changes things. When Jimmy is playing as well as he does, all of a sudden you've got guys like Max Strews, Kevin Love, Duncan Robinson, Gabe Vincent, Caleb Martin with wide open looks. And yes, they have been knocking those down with much more regularity than they did during the regular season. But uh, I think it's been, you know, though I mean, perhaps the reason why they shot as poorly as they did against the Knicks is that they were missing Jimmy Butler for one of those games, and mm-hmm. he was clearly hobbled due to a, a sprained ankle. It does sure. not seem hobbled now. Yeah. And also, they really didn't need to because the Knicks were should not – they did not belong in that series. They just <laughs> not been there. Um, sorry, Knicks. Well, the Knicks fans didn't think so. I mean, yeah. I, I've, I've been hearing it. You know, Miami's getting swept by Milwaukee. Miami's getting swept by New York. Miami's getting swept by Boston. And now we're here. Yeah. Look at us now. Well, if they do advance, I'll tell you, they are not getting swept by the Denver Nuggets. That That is for sure. Um, I, I will tell you, like, I think, that, I think the Heat win tomorrow night. I just think – at this point, I think you just got to kind of back the Heat until somebody proves that they're better, that they can withstand – not even better, that they can withstand this this special concoction that the Heat bring to the table. Like, that's the thing here, right? The, the playoffs are really about solving problems. Yeah. Um, we talk about, like, the who's better. And, like, look, the Nuggets won the series versus the Lakers because they were better. They also solved the problems. Like, oh, we're going to play small with Rui Hachimura on Jokic. Jokic solved it. One, five, five, one pick and roll with Murray screening. And that really messed up the Lakers. Um, getting out in transition to get ahead of their, their defense. The right. Heat walking into the series. The Celtics bomb a lot of threes. Okay, we're going to defend the lights out of you. We're going to put a lot of pressure on Tatum. And we're going to match you with three-point volume. Yeah. Like, they did the same thing versus the Bucks, which is like, we're going to match you with three-point volume. You're right. that They adapt to whatever the situation calls for. And that's honestly, like, maybe that's one of the, the benefits of them being, um, how can I put this, terrible in the regular season. Uh, <laughs> that they're not, they're not, they all, a lot of teams are like, well, we know who we are. I don't know that the Heat know who we, they are. <laughs> they're just like, we're going to be well, whatever it is that we need to be tonight. And that starts that's, with that's Jimmy awesome. That's fair. I mean, I, I know we, we talked about the regular season and what to expect from Miami because I, I didn't have as optimistic as I was. And I was probably one of the few people who was about this particular iteration of the team. Uh, I wasn't sure. There were plenty of games to make me doubt why I was optimistic in the first place. Uh, at the same time, it's just the players, the way they speak now. The I know it's just an intangible and I know a lot of people want to point to narratives being such a negative and everything else like that. But the, the kind of belief that is shared in that locker room and one another, there are just good vibes in that group right now. And they all support each other. Uh, I think it starts with Eric Spolstra empowering everybody with the up and down status on the rotation. You know, Kyle Lowry getting sent to the bench, Duncan Robinson being lost for most of all of the season. Uh, you know, Caleb Martin, Gabe Vincent, those guys were starting and then they weren't and they're not starting again. And, and yet through it all, they've had this kind of belief that when your number is called, you have an opportunity to prove that you're a great player, whether you're undrafted or anything. And I think it's just kind of feeding itself and snowballing. And again, with every passing series, Miami just seems to get stronger in their belief. Let's go ahead and just we'll fire this one little salvo over the side. Um, have the Heat started game planning their post-game intimidating photo in the locker room? Are they ready? Like, have they started putting that together to make sure the lighting is right and everybody's all looking intimidating in that one? Have, they gone I, have you... Uh, have- You've been in that locker room, right? I mean, it's always the lighting's always perfect in there. So, championship uh, alley, right. you know, we in Denver. Uh, before we, you'll have, hear more from me and David on on the Locked On <laughs> Network throughout the week. I'm sure, I'm sure. if the Heat, if the Heat uh, do in fact advance, I still think it's a big if, but yes. Um, I don't know if it's a big if. It's a little <laughs> if, David. Let's be real. It's a little if. Uh, before we get out of here, Carmel Anthony calls it a career. Um, 
kind of interesting that he calls it a, a he calls it a career the same day the Denver Nuggets clinched their first trip to the NBA Finals. Um, you know, uh, as somebody that covers the Nuggets, obviously, like a lot of conversation about him, and like I've given my thoughts on on you know his role and like his relationship with Denver. Uh, you can catch that over on Locked On Nuggets. I think more. I'll just ask you kind of um, what you're going to remember about Melo. Obviously, it's been a couple of years since he played, but what you're going to remember about Melo when people like talk about him, what are the kind of things that you'll bring up when talking about what Melo brought to the game? It's not great, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> no, it really isn't. <laughs> Bury the man I, on his retirement day, David. No, I, look, I, I, I hate to say it, but I just, you know, one of those players that was just one of the most gifted scorers perhaps in NBA history, and at the same time, a lot of it felt like empty calories. And it wasn't necessarily always his fault. But sometimes it kind of was, you know, um, playing on bad teams or, you know, just dominating the offense as much as he did, pounding the ball uh, constantly. Like, I, you know, I, the legacy for me, I, I never was, a, even when I was just a fan, I was never just one that kind of gravitate towards Mello's game. Um, I can appreciate the beauty in which he scored a lot of points over the course of his career but it ultimately kind of led to nothing. And I, and we've seen the discussion even today about who's number 15 should be retired. And <laughs> yeah. it's no contest. Like we're yeah. talking about two very different players, obviously, but one who just scored a lot of points and another one who's been so responsible for the winningest period in Nuggets history. I mean, in the NBA anyway. So I, I think uh, it just speaks a lot. And I think that's how he'll be remembered is a great score that ultimately just couldn't get it done. Uh, and anything that was super meaningful, at least not I've to been, me. I've been, I've been critical of Melo. I was critical of Melo for most of his career. Sure. Um, for a lot of the reasons that you said. Uh, I'm not a, I, I, you know, he was a bucket. Like, he absolutely was a bucket. The jab step, the precision with his footwork, uh, the ability to rise and fire. I do wonder if his career came later, what it would have been. Like, if he'd been able to play small ball four, small ball five, yeah. right? In the pace and space era with offense being so much more tilted now, what that would have looked like, what kind of numbers Melo would have put up. Um, whether that would have increased his ability to impact the game uh, and when we got to the playoffs and those kind of things. The thing I'll say is um, Mello's transformation over the course of his career was pretty incredible as far as like a figure. Like he was really important to a lot of players. Like he was a mentor to a lot of guys and he was That's really fair. good to the young guys. Um, and if you, if you get a chance to look up where Mello came from, like do some research and read some of the articles or watch the videos, a documentary on where he grew up in Baltimore yep. and the community center that he has built there that is in his name and what he's given back to that community, which is, you know, ravaged by such poverty yeah. and uh, the same things that plague every inner city in terms of systemic racism, like all of those elements, that's where he came from. And for him to have made it out, once I started to like really look at those kind of things, I started to understand a little bit more of how important it was for him to do things on his terms that's fair. Like that was a lot of it was that mellow did things in his career on his terms. He was always mellow. No matter like the whole stay mellow thing, like no matter what he was that guy, he's going to go in the hall of fame because in, in the Olympics, that was always the best version of him. And he was incredible. Like right. mellow was amazing in 08 and 12. Like he was in those go back and, and YouTube those teams for those team USA games and see what mellow did. He was phenomenal in those games, had the great run with the Knicks at the 2009 conference finals. Um, had a really great run in those those playoffs with the Denver Nuggets. Um, I look, I, I think that there were things that held him back, but I do wonder how much of that plays into the whole thing. And this is, I think, in different contexts and for different reasons. The same thing with Russ is like for some guys, the only way they were ever going to succeed is if they were 
just determined with tunnel vision to do it their way. And that still meant that they were able to be really successful and make a lot of money and influence their communities. So that's off to a great career for Carmelo Anthony. Let's go wrap it up for Locked On NBA and catch David over on Locked On Heat at DRamel13 along with Wes Goldberg. Catch them throughout the week as I'm sure that they will have lots to talk about. If you want to hear more about the Denver Nuggets, the Western Conference champions, you can check them out over at Locked On Nuggets. Make sure to check out the show all throughout the week tomorrow. Uh, John Corrales will not be on. It'll be Jake Madison and a guest. I don't know who's going to be with him, uh, as I don't think John will, will probably be able to, to stomach doing two shows um, based off of what I'm expecting, but we'll see what happens. Check out shows all throughout the week. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you guys again next time on Locked On NBA.